0: Okay, we're standing by for our friend, vaccine researcher, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, who will join us here in just a matter of seconds, because we got to talk to her about this announcement from NASSI yesterday that has really sucked up all the oxygen over the last uh, 12 or uh, 18 hours. NASI creating a lot of confusion and some anger amongst doctors who... Really, uh, you know, they've been uh, sounding the alarm bells for uh, weeks, if not months now, when it comes to the ICUs and the uh, levels of uh, patients in ICUs and just uh, getting the vaccine out to as many people as possible, as quickly as possible. NASA yesterday uh, saying essentially that... If uh, you can wait, if you can weigh the risks and you can wait around for either the Pfizer, Pfizer, sorry, or Moderna vaccine, you should maybe do that if you're not in a hot zone instead of opting for AstraZeneca. Now, the prime minister, he held a press conference about an hour and a half ago. He was asked about uh, Nassi's uh, comments. Here's what he had to say. To protect my loved ones, to protect my family and to do my part. Uh, to ensure that uh, all Canadians get through this as quickly as possible. All right, there's the Prime Minister earlier, and here's Dr. Iris Gorfinkel now. She joins us here on 640 Toronto. Dr. Gorfinkel, good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon.
0: Okay, as I mentioned, plenty of reaction. What is your take on this announcement from Nancy?
1: <laughs> the initial reaction was one of dread, I have to say. And why is that? Because I've told my patients, and repeatedly, Get the first vaccine available. You know, and why wouldn't I? Because right now we're at the crest, the very crest of a a third wave in which we have more cases than we ever had before. Patients are being shipped out from hospitals against their will, potentially. A tent is opened at Sunnybrook Hospital to house these patients. I mean, we really are at a a place in time that we must vaccinate patients. So it really came as a surprise to me because the messaging, to say that it was changed, it was an abrupt change in messaging. And I have to say that the risks are extremely low. You know, if we take a look at what are the risks of that blood clot with the J&J vaccine, as we speak, from data in the United States, there have been 17 cases In 8 million doses. So if you do the math on that, that's like 1 in 240,000. And moreover, we can almost predict based on that group who will get the clots. This tended to be almost like this was really 100% of the women. They were younger women. So this made me wonder, well, why aren't we targeting them? And moreover, they all had low platelets. So these were women between 18 and 48 years of age, who started off with low platelets to begin with. So we could use a bit of a selection criteria and be a little more nuanced. With a risk of 1 in 240,000, now if we compare that to the risk of getting a blood clot with COVID-19, overall, the chance of a blood clot is 1 in 120. As soon as a person's diagnosed, that's the potential. And if someone winds up in an ICU, it goes to 1 in 5. So that's the kind of math we're dealing with. The risks of the disease are far more greatly than the risk of the vaccine from J&J. All
0: right. So are you concerned, this announcement from NASA uh, yesterday, is this going to lead to even more vaccine shopping, do you think?
1: Well, I think that it will. And why wouldn't it? You know, people are not certain what to make of the numbers, especially when, instead of saying, look, the risks are one in 240,000, I do not believe there is anything such as a a medical risk-free intervention of any kind. So this does carry some risk with it, and it is an important signal to understand. But in order to understand real risk, we have to say, well, what happens if we don't give the vaccine? And on that side of the equation, it's just a lot worse and that's the problem if we don't vaccinate against covid-19 we'll we'll have more potential variants we'll have greater spread We'll have more cases, more hospitalizations, ICUs, and deaths. So we do have to be very cautious around those.
0: And, you know, I've seen uh, reports on social media of people saying that they've uh, canceled their vaccination uh, appointments after this announcement from NASI regarding AstraZeneca, and they are going to wait. And is that going to extend the uh, third wave and increase the uh, workload on uh, hospitals and on doctors when it comes to uh, ICU admissions? I mean, are we just maybe perhaps with this announcement uh, prolonging something that we so desperately all want to? get out of.
1: Well, this is such a critical point, isn't it? I mean, if people look at hospitalizations and ICUs and see them as something separate from themselves, but what winds up happening is this. If hospitals are full, where do those patients go? They all come to the family doctor. You know, and this is a big problem because it's taking longer and longer to get appointments. It's harder to have an in-person appointment. It takes longer to get a lab test. It's a lot more rigmarole to get a simple x-ray. I used to send people downstairs for these things. Just say go down. We're in a medical building. That's one of the big pluses. And now you just want a plain film. Well, you better be ready to wait a couple of weeks for that and book an appointment. So that's positive in a way that they're taking such precautions, but there is a lot of concern. If the ICUs and the hospitals are full, what that means is that it goes right down to primary care, to getting the simple tests, to getting basic medical care. And that is of a major concern. We've already seen hospitals being canceled. You know, I'm talking about elective surgeries. This, orthopedics was especially hard hit. Where do these patients wind up? Again, in the family practice office, putting much more pressure on outpatient services. So we have to be very cautious around, you know, recommendations that say just get, you know, an mRNA vaccine or get this vaccine or that vaccine. I personally believe what makes the most sense at this point in time is to get the first shot available.
0: Okay, want to ask you, I got about a minute left here, but Dr. Davila, Toronto's uh, top public health official yesterday, said, don't let your guard down if you've only had the first shot, the uh, first shot. Uh, What is your recommendation for those? And there's more and more of us, thankfully, walking around with at least uh, the first dose of the uh, vaccine. What are kind of the do's and don'ts uh, when it comes to uh, having kind of half the shot or the first shot?
1: So some super good news, and this is information that comes out of the Public Health Agency of Canada. The vast majority of cases out there are from people who have been unvaccinated, which is super exciting news. The vaccines are really working in in reducing case numbers. Yes, it takes two weeks. It's not an instant effect. And none of these are perfectly moving parts. You know, so we're talking about a vaccine efficacy in the realm of 90% reduction after a person has been vaccinated, but it takes two weeks. So this is it. It's not a perfect thing. Mitigation is extremely important because we know that not one of the vaccines is perfect against all of the variants. So that's why mitigation matters, keeping the crowds small, the gatherings small. Of course the masks, the social distancing, the hand washing, we've heard all of this. And of course, eliminating unnecessary travel. We're all biting at the bit. But the problem is it's not we're not just ready for that yet.
0: All right. Dr. Gorfinkel, appreciate it as always. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon.
1: Always a pleasure. Thank you, Jeff. All
0: right, stay well. Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, vaccine researcher.